And we're going to talk today, this morning, about uh, take heed to your ministry. I kind of alluded to it last week, and uh, I was going to be done with Colossians, I thought, uh, a week ago. But as I was preparing last week, I, I read that verse in 17, and I just, the Lord couldn't, I couldn't just let go of it. The Lord just kept reminding it. And so I got some thoughts this morning for you that hopefully, uh, it's kind of like a shotgun Hopefully it's not too, hopefully it's a well-grouped shot at least um, with some thoughts about taking heed to your ministry because uh, there is a work for all to do. And we need to remember, and, and I love verse 4 in, in this song here, it says, when the conflict here is ended and our race on earth is run, it, it takes us back to earlier in Colossians when it talks about making sure that your affections are set where they ought to be. And so the, the message of this song is so good and and I know throughout the years we've often sung, there's a soul and you can win it if you'll go in Jesus' name, not just a crown. And so, um, <clears throat> what a blessing. Thank the Lord for that song. Thank you, brother. Um, so Colossians chapter 4 is where we're going to be today. We're going to pick up. This will probably be the last that we're in Colossians, but I can't promise you. So let's read Colossians Chapter 4 and verse 17, then we'll have a quick word of prayer, and we'll look at a couple things this morning. Uh, and say to Archippus, take heed to the ministry which thou hast received in the Lord, that thou fulfill it. Father, we do thank you for this day, Lord. We thank you for your word. And Lord, I thank you, Lord, for this passage here uh, this morning. And I pray, Lord, that your word would be uh, preeminent this morning, Lord, and that it would have, uh, Lord, the, the first place in our thoughts and our minds. And Father, I pray that as... We go through this lesson that you'd be glorified in it, and I pray, Lord, that you would encourage the saints to keep laboring and to be faithful. Father, we pray now that you'd meet with us, do in our heart, work in our hearts that would help us to be better laborers for you. In Christ's name, amen. amen. So last week we looked at Demas, and I know uh, kind of the, the subject that we covered last week on Demas, and we went back to... Uh, 2 Timothy in chapter 4, and we see that Demas forsook the Apostle Paul, having loved this present world, the Word of God tells us there. And he left uh, the ministry, and he, we know that he chose the temporal things of this world over the eternal things to come. And uh, we kind of looked at a quick reminder back in, in Colossians that we need to remember where our affections ought to be. Uh, because sometimes if we lose sight of that, uh, it's easy to look at the the draw of the world, and maybe the prosperity of the wicked, that it seems to be so good at times. And, and if we're not careful, we could end up being a Demas. And, and, but for whatever reason, and, and it's possible, maybe just the hardships of, uh, of the ministry that Demas forsook, the glory that was to come, uh, and to share in those temporal things uh, that one day will burn. And, and let's never lose sight of that. That... <clears throat> The things that we labor on today, the things that we focus on, and the things that we apply ourselves to, uh, if they're not the things of God and, and the things of, uh, of the eternal, none of it's going to matter. And so when we talk about investing our time and investing our talents and investing ourselves in things, we need to be very careful that we're doing it for the Lord. Uh, because now, and if, if the Lord has you invest in some certain things, that, that's great. Um, 
but make sure your focus is where it ought to be. And, and really, the, what we're going to kind of look at today a little bit is that it's God-directed. The Lord gave him this ministry, and here this verse says. Uh, but I, I came across an illustration uh, from September 2nd, 1945. I don't think there's too many folks in the room today that were around at that, uh, that juncture, but there's a couple, possibly. Um, and, but it's regarding uh, World War II and, and specifically the official surrender of the Japanese uh, during World War II, September 2nd, 1945. And it was aboard the, the USS Missouri there that, uh, that surrendering parties uh, were to meet. And, and uh, on our behalf, uh, the first one to sign on the United States' behalf was General Douglas MacArthur. And he was joined by some of his colleagues uh, there, some of the other generals. And, and it is said in, that he took the pen, and there were at least six pens, I do know that, that when he, he signed this document, there were at least six pens that, that were kind of used in this process. But, um, but I found one account where it said that General MacArthur took the pen and he signed his first name, Douglas. Uh, and then he, he handed the pen over to General uh, Wainwright, uh, who signed Mac, just M-A-C. And then that, uh, a pen was passed over to General Percival, who signed Arthur. And so if you're picking up what we're putting down here, Douglas MacArthur, right? And, and so those three generals signed that, and, and I found that account. I, I actually watched a video about this account, and, and it didn't actually show those gentlemen signing. It did show them passing the pen. Um, and so, uh, but at a bare minimum, their presence there uh, at that was, was a nod uh, to their, uh, he, the General MacArthur was honoring these two generals who had suffered persecution as prisoners of war. And uh, so here they are and, and the war's over and, and the enemy is defeated and they're signing that. And so he brings these two men. And if you look at this video, they were very frail. You could, uh, I believe, especially um, uh, it was uh, Percival, if I remember right, he just was just really just uh, skin and bones. He looked like Colin, um, you know, just a real thin. looks like his parents didn't feed him, but as because as of the severe suffering he had gone through. And, and so General MacArthur was honoring these men for the suffering that they endured. And it was uh, the things that those men and, and the men that w- were subordinate to them and, and really the, the many folks faced that, that were precursors to them bringing uh, the Japanese to surrender. And, and, I was, and I want you to think about this. I'm going to read you two verses from Romans chapter 8. Uh, in application to that, it says this in chapter 8, verse 16 and 17, the Spirit itself bear witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And the children and heirs, heirs of God, and join heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with Him that we may be glorified together. For I reckon that the suffering of this present time are not to be worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. And so the Apostle Paul here describes the future of those who persevere in the spiritual, spiritual battle or those that persevere in ministry. And um, <clears throat> he calls us joint heirs or calls them joint heirs and, and, and us. Um, those who share in the sufferings of Christ will also share in the glory. And so just like General MacArthur had brought those men onto the ship to be a part of that ceremony, uh, if we are faithful, listen, the ministry is not all sunshine. There are cloudy days. There are difficult days. Uh, but if we remain faithful, 
we can share in the glory that is Christ's. What a blessed thought that is. To think that that the Savior of the world is going to allow us to be partakers in that. Uh, what a glorious thought. And, and, uh, but it does get difficult. But we cannot quit. We cannot quit. Uh, there is no doubt Demas left a void in the ministry. Uh, there's not a lot of specifics surrounding those events and, and, and what all took place there. But there was a void. He was accomplishing something for the service of the Lord alongside the Apostle Paul. And the day that he chose to forsake, there was a void. What he was doing was no longer going to be done. Uh, And and maybe somebody could come alongside and pick up the the slack, if you will. But but the reality is nobody can fulfill Demas' ministry like God intended for Demas to fulfill it. Uh, Each one of us have a significant individual specific purpose. In the ministry of the Lord. And we need to remember that. Um, so he left a void, no doubt. We, I don't think anybody would argue that. And, uh, but the question might be this morning, was it a big or small void? Um, I think that's a human question. I think that's a, a question that we pose oftentimes in our flesh. Uh, uh, because there is no small void. When you look at verse 17, it says here, take heed to the ministry which thou hast received in the Lord. And so if God has given us a ministry, that's a big deal. Um, we, we sang that song this morning, uh, does your placing so small or little known? That's humanly speaking. That's on our scale. God knows because God gave it to us. Or to you, if you will. Regardless of your position in the church, your ministry is critical. It's absolutely critical. And uh, I saw some things this morning, and and it was just a blessing to my heart, and and just to see people serving, something that they normally aren't doing, and they were taking care of business and getting some things done, and that was a blessing to see this morning. And um, listen, our ministries have been given to you or to us by God himself. And we'll kind of talk, we're going to be pretty general uh, today for the sake of time, I think. And, but I, I just want to share something that's really been on my heart that I think will be a benefit to, to us as Christian laborers and really to our church uh, about getting involved in the ministry. And, and so we're going to look at this exhortation or this charge that Paul uh, gives to someone that we really know nothing about. This individual, we don't know a lick of anything really, to say the least. And so we can't really expound on the significance or, or, or the grandeur of whatever this ministry was. Well, we just really have no idea of exactly what specific ministry that Archippus was given. But, but he had one nonetheless. Uh, he was small and little known, if you will. But it was critical. And so we sang that song this morning on purpose, little as much when God is in it. There's work for all to do. And I think it's interesting, and this is just kind of a side note, and I really didn't, uh, but I think it's worth noting here. Uh, Paul sends this lesson, and, and, and he says this, and say to Archippus. So the Apostle Paul could have uh, pointed him out specifically himself in the text here, but he didn't. He tells the people at Colossae to say this to him. And I think that's important. And, and what I would draw out of that this morning is we ought to be exhorting one another to stay in the fight, 
to stay faithful. Uh, I mean, that's the reason we're in church, right? To exhort one another and to encourage one another, right? And, and so, um, and, and we can talk about being accountable to the church family and, and those things. We can go a lot, of, a lot of different directions there, but for whatever reason, in this case, the Apostle Paul, because I would like to think that Archippus, somebody that's in the ministry, somebody that's laboring, he's probably going to be at the church service at Colossae when this is read, right? I mean, that's reasonable to think. And maybe perhaps he wasn't going to be there and somehow the Apostle Paul knew that. But I think a man that's working in the ministry, he probably would have made uh, the effort to read this himself, even if he wasn't there when it was read aloud, potentially, or at least get that. But, but for whatever reason, the Apostle Paul kind of gives this charge to him uh, through the people, I guess you could say, and say to Archippus, take heed to the ministry. And so what I want to establish something this morning is first, what ministry is not. Uh, what ministry is not. And ministry is not only for the pastor or those in full-time service. Uh, that's not ministry. And so when we're talking this morning, this morning about uh, taking heed to the ministry, taking heed to your ministry, to my ministry, we're not talking about, I'm not just talking to pastor this morning. Um, I'm not just talking to the deacons even. I'm not just talking to Sunday school teachers. I'm talking to every single believer in the room this morning that it's applicable to you. Uh, many have the idea that the pastor are those who make their living from or in the service to the Lord are the ones that minister. And, and that term goes around oftentimes, not so much in the Baptist community, but in others it says he's the minister. He's the one that's there and, and those things. And, and so consequently, some have the idea uh, that, it is, that it is the job of these few to make the Lord's work a reality. Right? That couldn't be further from the truth. That couldn't be further from the truth. It takes the entire church body to facilitate the work of the church. Uh, the entire church body. And so it's not on the shoulders of just a few, and especially in some smaller churches that only have a pastor. Maybe they don't have any other laborers in those people. Uh, the reality is the ministry is going to be hindered if you just try to put it on one person. And so that's, the ministry is not for those people alone. Uh, the idea uh, that church leaders are to do all the labor in the word is, is, is false. And uh, I... I this might be a little disgusting, but I think it will get your attention and cause you to think about some things here. Uh, but there was a tribe in Africa that practiced pre-mastication. You guys familiar with that term? It's, it's pre-chewing your food. And, and really, it was the idea of chewing the food and then giving it to somebody else because they were unable to chew the food. That's disgusting when you think about it. Um, and so, but there was this tribe that, that uh, some of the stuff that they ate, and, and it, I, I kind of got this illustration it, that there was like sand in the meat. And, and so over the course of years, the elders were not able to chew their normal diet, dietary food because their teeth had been ground down because of the, the, the type of food that they ate over the course of the year. So the younger people with the new chompers, because we're talking pre-dentures, right? Even if you lose those things, they didn't have that ability back in these days or even today in some parts of the world. And, and so there would be the younger people with the good teeth that they would chew that stuff up and then they would share it for the others that don't have the teeth in order to chew that. That's disgusting, right? And, and so I couldn't help myself and I started looking up this pre-mastication or pre-chewing. And, and uh, so 
uh, it's interesting, it's still practiced today. And uh, it's in a different light. It wasn't in, and so I looked it up. In some cases, food is pre-chewed, and then it's prepared in another way. Maybe it's cooked or something in a different way, and, and uh, that's still disgusting, but I would, you know, it would be a little more palatable to think that somebody chewed this, and at least you burnt their saliva off. I don't know, but, but, but listen this morning. I, I'm getting to a point here. Um, but uh, listen, mothers will chew food for their children sometimes, even today. I asked Cindy this morning because I've, I've been pre- preparing and, and I was just thinking about how disgusting this was. And I, and I read this article and it was talking about how moms sometimes will preach you and, and that way their children can, can do those things. And Cindy said, that's disgusting. I never did that. <laughs> so, but apparently there's mothers today that, that do that. And I'm not going to you know, judge anyone that has partook of that, that type of a thing. Um, listen, but we ought not be lazy and allow the preacher to do all our chewing. Ministry isn't just for the preacher and those full-timers that we like to call them that are in full-time ministry. Uh, everyone in the, in the church ought to be in the Word of God. All of us ought to be laboring in the Word. Uh, we, uh, so we kind of find that repulsive that somebody would chew a meal or a bite and then, here you go, But we do that spiritually because we're not disciplined enough to get into the Word of God ourselves. And we see in 2 Timothy 2.15, Study to show thyself approved unto God a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of truth. And no doubt some this morning would argue, well, that was instruction to the preacher, to Timothy. That was Paul writing to the preacher. And it's not applicable to all believers. And I would argue with you on that. I would argue that it's applicable to all. Yet, if you don't want to agree with me, let's look at a couple more verses. We see another example uh, of the believers laboring in the word in Berea. In Acts chapter 17, it says, These were more noble than those in Thessalonica, and that they received the word with all readiness of mind, and searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. And so we see that these believers in Berea were laboring in the Word of God. They weren't allowing the preacher just to give them whatever he had chewed on and spit it out and, and, and regurgitate it up for them. And, that, and I, listen, we need the preaching of the Word of God. We have a great preacher here. I'm thankful for him, and he, he feeds us well. But I'm telling you this morning, you ought to be in the Word of God yourself. And, and you have a responsibility to be in the Word of God because you have a ministry. Uh, and, and we'll kind of look at that here in a few moments, but you have a ministry to fulfill. And how can you fulfill the ministry if you don't know the Word of God? It would be irresponsible. It would be irresponsible for the military to send me to a faraway place with the, the equipment I needed to execute my mission. The same is true for us as the believers here in, the, in, in our churches. It would be irresponsible for us to not get into the word of God and prepare ourselves for the ministry that we ought to be doing here. Uh, and, and are you in the word? I guess is what I'm saying is. So the believers here at Berea were laboring in the word. So ought we be doing. We ought to be in the word of God. Uh, it says they were more noble than those in Thessalonica. The guys in Thessalonica were laying off a little bit, taking a break. They were just accepting 
what the preacher had to say, so to speak. And, and I'm not saying everybody in Thessalonica was bad. I don't know. I didn't meet them. But listen, to, there was a, uh, an obvious issue here, and, and there was a, uh, a commendation sent for those that were at Berea because they were receiving it with a readiness. They wanted to hear what the preacher had to say, but they were also going to go back and look at the Word and see what it said for themselves. We, need to be, we could be led astray if we're not careful. I don't believe that's going to happen here. But listen, uh, let me remind you of Colossians 3.16. I know we looked at this a few weeks ago. But look what it says here. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And the idea there is abundantly or with wealth. And my favorite word, copiously. Right? Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. And look what it says here. Teaching and admonishing one another. It's not just the pastor's responsibility to teach and admonish. We ought to be in the Word of God. It ought to be dwelling in us richly. I'm telling you, the Word of God's not going to be copious in your life if you're not reading it, if you're not in it. It's impossible. And we ought to be teaching and admonishing one another. And I know you know the rest of that verse in Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Listen, I'll tell you this, and I'll use air quotes, as the average church member... We are to be filled with the Word of God so that we can teach and admonish one another. And I use that term average just because that's sometimes what people say. I'm, oh, I'm just a member. I'm just here. I don't have a... No, you have a critical piece in what's going on here. You have a responsibility to teach and to admonish each other. And, and that would include me, pastor, everybody, right? It's not just because uh, <clears throat> that somebody has a Sunday school class or somebody has certain responsibilities in the church that they're supposed to be teaching and laboring, every single one of us ought to be. And in order to do that successfully and effectively, we have to be in the Word of God. Uh, richly, abundantly in the Word of God. Not just a quick devotional in the morning, uh, but laboring in the Word of God. Our fellowship with one another should be like a Bible lesson as we interact. As we interact, we can exhort one another and encourage one another and teach one another things. And I think this would probably be most applicable as the elders in the church. And I'm not saying elder is in the position of a pastor. I'm saying the, the older folks that are a little more experienced, they got more seasoning in their life. They're able to teach and share their experience with the younger folks and say, yeah, I remember where you're at. I remember those days. Don't forget what the Word of God says here. And encourage one another and exhort one another in a Bible lesson just in our fellowship. Because we are filled with the Word to the point where we're just overflowing and we're sharing it with everybody around us. Uh, uh, look at this next verse in Colossians 3.17. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him, our entire manner of life ought to be filled with the Word of God and to further the gospel. It's all about doing those things in the name of the Lord. Word, deed, all of that thing. It's all about the Lord. Uh, listen, this was written to the church at Colossae, right? We, we, we can go back to chapter 1, and it was written to the church. This wasn't just written like we can argue for uh, the book of Timothy to Timothy. And we know that wasn't just for Timothy. It wouldn't be recorded in here for us today if that was the case. But, but listen, I want to remind you that this, uh, <clears throat> verses 16 or 17, was written to 
everyone in the church. Not just the pastor, not just those in full-time service, but it was written to everybody that they would be uh, richly filled with the word of God, teaching and admonishing one another uh, for the furtherance of the gospel. So that whatever deed they're doing, whatever thing that they're saying, is all to the uh, name of the Lord. And uh, is that true in our lives today? Are we laboring in, in the word and are we preparing ourselves as ministers of the gospel? I hope that's true in your life today. Listen, it would be a sin for us to sit on the sidelines and wait for the preacher to chew on the word of God, to study the word of God and not do it for ourselves. To him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. And it would be wrong for us to come in here every week and just wait for someone to give us a lesson, someone to give us a sermon. We ought to be in the Word ourselves. We need, we need to be in the nourishing Word for ourselves. <clears throat> I believe we're well fed here. I believe that with all my heart. This is some of the best preaching I've ever experienced. I'll, in that, in, in that's, uh, I'm just thankful for that. But listen, I'm telling you this morning, you're not receiving all the nutrients you need from God's Word if you're not laboring in it yourself. Premastication. They're chewing that stuff down, right? They're doing that. And, and when they go to share that with another individual, there are nutrients that have been lost. And in one of the articles I was reading specifically with children and where this is commonly practiced, uh, typically at the weaning stage, and, and uh, a lot of kids would become anemic because they weren't getting some of the things that they needed. And so listen this morning, if you're not in the Word of God for yourself, you're not getting your full diet. If you're just letting somebody chew it down and, and regurgitate it, no matter how good it is, it's not God's ideal for you. It's not God's perfect diet for you. You need to be in the Word of God. And so listen this morning, ministry is not just for full-time Christian laborers. Ministry is for every single one of us in laboring in the Word of God. And number two this morning, we are to take heed to the ministry. So we are to take heed. This, I, the idea here, when it says, it says, take heed to the ministry. And the idea is to guard or give attention to the ministry regardless of how small it may appear. Not everyone has the same position. Uh, not everyone has the same uh, <clears throat> talents in those types of things, but everyone has a ministry. Uh, we ought to take heed. Uh, he is saying, give attention, be sober about it, think about it, uh, grasp it firmly that the ministry you received is from the Lord. It says, take heed to the ministry which thou hast received in the Lord. Every one of us received that. Uh, listen, in... in uh, as a note here, I want to say we need to stay qualified to minister. Um, we need to be careful to allow, not to allow sin to creep into our lives and to prevent our ability to minister. Listen, when we have sin in our lives and, and the Holy Spirit isn't there like it ought to be, our ministry is hindered. And, and my prayer is that I don't want the ministry to be hindered. I want God to be able to work, but if we're not qualified, so to speak, if we're not meeting the requirements, um, we can hinder the ministry. I'm reminded of 1 Timothy chapter 3. 
I know many of you are familiar and, and understand that. And, and in that passage, we see the qualifications for bishops and deacons. And sometimes I, I think what is uh, really, when you look at that list and what's remarkable about that list is that it's relatively unremarkable. That list is really how to live the Christian life with the type of character that Christians should exhibit. It's not just for pastors, for deacons. And I know in, in, in God's outlines some specific responsibilities for those positions within the church. But if you look at that list, that is a list that we would all do well. Uh, because that's in that list doesn't mean if you're not in one of those positions that you can do those things that are prohibited there. That's not what that means. But it sets some guidelines and some standards for those positions. And, and listen, we ought to be guarding our character. Uh, <clears throat> this is a call in that passage. I believe this with all my heart. And not just to the preacher, but to every man and woman within the church. Uh, yes, there's some specific lays out for those ones. But, but listen, we need to take heed and guard our ministry. Uh, we would do well to keep those standards as Christians, even if we don't have those positions. Uh, there's an enemy. We need to take heed. There's an enemy who is alive and well and seeking to destroy your life. Take heed to your ministry. And we know that the, the devil wants nothing but to destroy your life, your marriage, your family. He wants to destroy your ministry. First Peter 5.8, he's like a roaring lion, just walking about, seeking whom he may devour. He had the opportunity with Job. God allowed him the opportunity with some liberties to really interfere with Job's life and his ministry, if you will. And, and, and he wants to destroy you. But I'm so thankful that God never allowed Job's life to be taken. Amen. And God was in control of that circumstance the entire way. And we can rest knowing that we're, even though there's an enemy out there to destroy us, God will always protect us. But listen this morning, we need to take heed to that. And understand that the devil is trying. He wants to destroy us. It's not one of the many things he's up to. It's his primary. He has no greater desire than to thwart the church or thwart the church or the work of the church and to hinder the work of God. He wants the opposite of God. You can write that down. If God wants something done, he's going to do the opposite. And we need to take heed and understand that. And, and uh, the word here, uh, ministry, and I know we've talked about this over the course of a few weeks, but I don't know why, but this is, it's just been heavy on my heart. And, and the idea here is to serve, uh, uh, to labor in such a way to further the gospel is how I'll give it to you this morning, to, to minister, uh, to serve in the church. And, and uh, listen, what did Archippus do anyway? I don't know. We don't know. We know that he was obviously in the ministry to some extent, right? But we have no further information on what his specific responsibilities. And Paul refers to him as a fellow soldier there in Philemon. Uh, was he pastoring? Was he discipling people? Was he planning a church? We just don't know. But that's all we need to know. Uh, that's well enough. The, the point is not the specific ministry, but the calling to the ministry within the church. 
the calling to the ministry that God has entrusted to you. God's given you a ministry, uh, just like he did this man. And uh, <clears throat> we need to be sure that we're taking heed. And, and uh, it's irrelevant of what you're doing, if that's what God wants you to do. That's the most important ministry, if that's what God wants you to do. It's not about trying to get a position. It's not about trying to get some stature. It's about fulfilling what God has you to do. In, in accomplishing those things uh, in the church body that we're in. And I found this very interesting. Jason Allen, uh, forgive me, he's a Southern Baptist, but he, I, I found this quote, and uh, I thought this was good. Boy, this will be continued next week. And, and uh, <clears throat> he says this of ministry. Ministry ought to be so romantic to us, so heady for us, so passionate within us, that it invokes a drive, a purposefulness, a focus, an expectancy, a fruitfulness, so that we may fulfill it. God gave you your ministry. That's what it says there, and it says, Take heed to the ministry which thou hast received in the Lord. It was the Lord that had given him this ministry. Josh Allen goes on to say this, you still have time for fun things. That is time for leisure and recreation. That is part of living a balanced life. But within our innermost being, the great goals of our life are fundamentally our ministry, our family, the gospel. Is that true of your life this morning? Is your ministry the thing that drives you? Uh, I can think back to years ago, and, and I remember when I was a staff sergeant in the Air Force, it was probably, I mean, you're young, and, and it's the prime physically, you know, and, and I was just, I loved the Air Force when I was a staff sergeant. I was excellent at my job, um, and I just, and the Lord just had blessed my career. I, I made staff early. I made, and then I ended up making technical sergeant early, and that's when the Air Force kind of disrupted my career. But, but I remember thinking, I love this. I could do this forever. And, and we had recently PCS to Washington, and, and we were in a, back in a good church, and we enjoyed it, and we loved it. And, and there were some good mentors of sending ours, and we were talking to them. And, and I'll never forget, they, they asked how I was doing it, and I said, I feel like I'm exactly where God wants me to be. I was just in, and I knew that God had me in the Air Force. I was 100% convinced God wanted me to enlist in the Air Force when I did. And God was working in my career and brought me to this place. And I'll tell you what this morning, if that's not your feeling and attitude toward ministry, you need to start seeking God and asking Him. Are you exactly where God wants you ministering? Whether that's in Rapid City, whether that's in how you accomplish the ministry within our local church, are you where God wants you to be? Uh, because I'll tell you this much, you're not going to have that passion that Josh Allen talks about. You're not going to have that drive. You're not going to have that thing to fulfill that ministry if you're not. Because I've been in that place too, where you're not necessarily right where God wants you. And life isn't so peaceful. You might outwardly be doing the things of the ministry, but inwardly there's, there's a burden. 
and, and, and there's a blockade and you know that there's some resistance because you're not exactly where God wants you. And so this morning, listen, don't forget to take heed to the ministry, but don't ever forget that you received that ministry from the Lord. And I don't know what it is for you this morning. I'm not going to get into specifics on who, do, who does what around here, but I'm telling you, you got to figure it out if you don't know it. And we, listen, and, and we've talked about this too over the course of the few weeks, and, but I'm going to bring it up again. We've all received the ministry of reconciliation. Uh, and we must exercise ourselves uh, to the accomplishment of that. First Timothy chapter 1 in verse 12 through 16, I think this is a good thing, and we're going to have to close with this this morning. Uh, it says, And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me. What a thought that is. That he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Who was before a blasphemer, and a persecutor, and injurious. But I obtained mercy. Oh, praise the Lord, right? Where did we come from? Where did God bring us to and enable us? Because I did it ignorant in the unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was, was exceeding abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of who I am chief. I want you to look at verse 16, though. It says, Howbeit for this cause I obtained mercy, that in me first Jesus Christ might go forth all long suffering. Look what it says here. For a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. The Apostle Paul says that his ministry that God enabled him to do was then a pattern for others to see. They could see that this man that was a blasphemer, that received grace and, and God's long suffering, and he was put into this ministry. And what an example. Uh, if nothing else, Paul was an example to others of God's long-suffering, mercy, and grace. A pattern for others to see God's transforming and saving power. And we'll close with this. God <clears throat> can use you in the ministry. He can enable you just as he did the Apostle Paul. Find your ministry. Father, we do thank you for this day. Thank you, Lord, for your Word, I pray, Lord, that you do work in our hearts that would help us to be better laborers in your ministry. Pray that we'd have the right heart attitude toward ministry and that you would just, Lord, show each one of us our ministry and that you'd bless and help us to fulfill it. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.